Welcome, welcome, welcome into the QC Hornet's Nest, a podcast powered by the Charlotte Observer. I'm your host and resident beat writer, Rod Boone. Each week, we'll have the latest buzz, news, and nuggets on the Charlotte Hornets. I'll be telling you the stories other shows won't and giving you the inside access other shows can't. So are you ready? Okay, let's go. Let's get it. Starting off this week, once again, the Hornets are just bouncing back and forth between wins and losses. After going to the new year on that three-game winning streak, they took those two really tough defeats back-to-back to Phoenix and Washington. With the game against the Suns, of course, being that really big blowout that was never really much of a game from the opening tip. And then the Wizards game in D.C., they were down early, got up by double digits late, and couldn't sustain that lead in the fourth quarter. So those were two tough losses. That led into the game on Wednesday against the Pistons, and that game against the Pistons on Wednesday was a get-right game if there ever was one for the Hornets. They needed that. To drop 140 points on the Pistons, team they beaten now for 14 straight times in a row, was much needed. Confidence builder. You have to be able to, at this point, turn things around quickly when the losses start piling up. As we've seen with the Hornets, losses kind of pile up in multiples where it's like three or four losses. The wins at times, too, where they win two, three, four in a row. That's kind of been their Achilles heel has been they've been hot and cold, hot and cold. But they're still running around 500, and at this point, as you get around the halfway mark, I'm sure they'll take it. So now it's going to be interesting to kind of see how this next stretch here works and just if they can keep going up to that next step, take that next step up to be a real playoff team. It's going to start with LaMelo in terms of him being at the level he's at right now. He had his 14th double-double against the Pistons the other night, 14th of his career, excuse me, 14th of the season, number 20 of his career. He's the engine, as we know, that stirs the Hornets and gets them going. And it was interesting to kind of hear Dwayne Casey, the Pistons coach, kind of compare him to Pete Maravich. I asked LaMelo after the game about that. Of course, LaMelo was his typical all shucks. I don't compare myself to anybody type of deal. It's nice to hear that, but he didn't really seem to care. And not like in a flipping or arrogant way, but that's just who he is. So the Hornets, with LaMelo running the point and finding his rhythm over these last few weeks here, it seems, after he's come back from his little COVID spell, they're right there. So now it's going to be about figuring they can get past this next stretch here. Again, that we talk about a little bit later on when I look ahead and just figure out exactly where his team is heading because, again, you can see the talent is there. It's just more about fixing their issues, which begins with the number one problem, which is defense. They can fix that defensive issue and go out there and get that one-two going a little bit more. They'll be okay. Because even P.J. Washington himself said, when I asked him the other day at shoot-around about what he saw from the team when he was out, 
the first thing he mentioned was he didn't see that right mentality. He didn't see that want-to attitude on defense. And he wanted to bring that a little bit himself, which he did against the Pistons. So the Hornets need to be able to fix that leaky defense because they can't do that. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, the offense is one of the best in the league. We know that. But as I said before previously, if you can't stop teams when you have to and digging defensively when the time is right, the situation calls for it, not going to be a very good team in the long run. So the Hornets have to figure out that problem on defense. If they can do that, then they should be okay. And now it's time for our mailbag section of the podcast. And once again, thank you guys for submitting your questions and being interactive with us. I really enjoy this part of the show because I like to interact with you guys and see what you're thinking about and, and kind of pick your brains and give you answers to maybe give you better insight in what you're looking for. So the first question this week comes from Tom Wise on Twitter and his handle is at Tom Wise JTW. And the question is, as we approach the midpoint of the season, when you say this team has met expectations, especially considering how the unbalanced the role schedule has been, or have they fallen short of where you thought they would be by now? Good question, Tom. Thanks for submitting it. I think actually the Hornets kind of right about where I thought they would be. I figured they would be maybe about a 500 or so team until they could figure things out. And then at some point, I thought that maybe they can get to about maybe six to seven wins or so over 500. They're still right about in that ballpark right now. And considering what they've been through as a whole, you got to be really just, if you're a Hornets fan, looking at it and say, you know what? Actually, I'm kind of pleased because to not have some of your top players while you're dealing with certain issues and you know safety protocols and guys being out on road trips and not being able to exactly figure out rotations. It's one of those things where I really don't understand how they've been doing it in some regards, because they've had a really tough schedule. As Tom mentioned, it's been really road heavy, but they found a way to essentially just tread water and kind of be right around 500 going to the second half of the schedule that has a ton of home games. So I think they're kind of right about where I thought they would be. They could maybe be a game or two better, depending. But considering all they've been through, I think that you got to give them a little bit of credit and figure out that at some point soon they'll get it together. But for right now, to be able to at least come close to being amongst the teams in this thicket of the Eastern Conference playoff picture, I think they've done a decent job. Now it's going to be more about just sustaining it and find that next gear when the time comes. So once again, thanks a lot, Tom, for submitting your question. I appreciate it. Next question comes from BuzzBoys on Twitter, and the handle is at BuzzBoys919. And the question is, do you think the Hornets take a look at DeMarcus Cousins? And I say the answer to that most likely is no. Because while they had interest in DeMarcus previously in years past, right now he doesn't kind of fit what they're trying to do. 
because they just don't seem to be able to be able to use somebody like him because not so much his offense. His offense, as we know, is good. He can go out there and get you a double-double, rebound the ball for you, things of that nature. But the Hornets need rim protection. They need a little bit of toughness on the inside, a little bit of muscle, some athleticism. And DeMarcus Cousins doesn't, doesn't give you any of that right now. Although he's still it's a serviceable and good enough player, he doesn't really fit in terms of trying to get you to that next level when you're trying to find a potential young athletic big to be able to alter things and intimidate people on the inside. DeMarcus Cousins doesn't do that for you. So, yeah, he can give you some more points, but the Hornets have said several times this season when I talk to players or even JB, James Borrego, the coach about it, they it's more about, for them, it's defense. They don't need enough offense. They have one of the top offenses in the NBA. DeMarcus Cousins won't help them on defense. So to me, I don't see that happening. Previously, potentially yes, but as of right now, no, I don't see that happening because he doesn't really help them out long-term in terms of what they're trying to do and their vision. So thanks for the question, Buzz Boys. You weren't the only person who asked that question. A couple others have asked the question, so I wanted to make sure that we got to that one. So thanks again for you guys for submitting your questions. I appreciate you guys. All right, welcome back to the QC Hornets Nest. I want to thank my guest today for joining me, Mr. James Booknight. Thanks for stopping by, sir. Appreciate you. Um, just first, I guess, just tell me, man, what's uh, what's the light now? Your rookie year. You're about halfway into it. Just what's been like the, I guess, what you, what, what have you learned most so far your rookie year? I guess. Um, just how to be like more professional, like both on and off the court. Um, continuing to learn and get better, and staying ready. When you um, look at just uh, how things have gone so far for you, you obviously have played a little bit. To kind of wait a little bit. So it's the first time you kind of deal with that, I guess, in your career. What have you learned most about, um, I said, being ready and, and figuring out when it's your time to kind of make sure that when the coach is calling you that you are ready out there? Um, just like every rep in the gym when I'm working out, just taking the game speed, game light, um, and really leaning on my teammates. Because um, being someone that played his whole career and then coming into a situation where I'm really not playing at all, um, it could it could take a mental toll on you. So just being able to lean on your teammates and talking to them and, and making sure they help keep you confident. Who was the person you know most to talk to? Um, I wouldn't say one person, but like Miles, like like because I I think Miles went through something similar when he was a rookie. So um, he's always in my ear. Um, he sees when my head is down and when I'm looking like I'm shit about to <laughs> tap out, you know. So he 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 always there. He makes sure that I know that I'm him and I got some, I got some, you know what I'm saying? I, I should be on the court and then my time is going to come. So and That's the thing, too. When you think about that mentally, when your time has come, you've been ready for it, man. I mean, sure. how much do you think that helps your cause when, whenever the coaches say, okay, it's time for what to go in the game next time? Um, I, I think they know what I'm capable of. I think they know that I can be on the court and I can play. I can help this team win. Um, but like I said, it's just the situation I'm in. Um, it's a reality, and I just got to live with it. Um, I just know when my time comes, I will be there. And we talked before about it, man. It's like a good thing, right? In a weird way, not a good thing for you not to be playing, mm-hmm. but it knows that the team is obviously really strong if you can't get on the court, yeah, right? What sure. about that? Um, well, this is a playoff team, so 
um, coming in the year. I, I didn't think it was going to be this hard, but I definitely knew that we were going to win and it was going to be tough to get on the court. Uh, we're going to have to fight for minutes and nothing's going to be given. Um, and like you said, it's a good thing just being on a team that's winning, you know, uh, having success this year. And yeah, it's, a, it's a great thing to be on this team, yeah, for sure. When you look at things like today in practice, when you get to go against guys like Terry, LaMelo, and stuff like that, how does that help you as you kind of develop your game a little bit? Um, just just the competitiveness of like all of us. Uh, we always gonna compete and battle and and fight. And then at the end of the day, we gonna have fun and we gonna make sure we got each other's back. Um, so just being out there on the practice court with those guys and people that play heavy minutes, all stars. Um, it's just great. Who in your draft class have you maybe talked to the most so far? Kind of just keep in touch with anybody, if at all. No. <laughs> really. No. You're a loner that New York thing, I guess, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't really got like no friends in this class. Bro. Uh, um, all right, this is some non basketball stuff, man. Just what's it been like for you off the court, kind of learning the city of Charlotte and trying to navigate here and kind of figure out as a rookie, just I guess learning a whole new city, man. Oh, uh, no, that's been cool. I actually learned how to get home from here without my without Google and all that. So, <laughs> so you know, I'm, uh, I'm getting along with it. Um, no, nah, but the city great. People here are great. Everybody always show love. Oh, I feel real comfortable out here. What did you know about the city before you came here? Nothing. I just came in. For real, I just moved. I, I got drafted, literally came down here, did a little press conference, and then moved soon after that. And I've never been here. This is my first time. So. What's the uh, toughest thing about being, you know, in a new city, man, and, and, and single? Is it, is it like cooking your meals? Is it like, like what's the toughest thing about you try to be that bachelor, I guess, life, that you try to be a bachelor and NBA player at the same time? Um, I, I don't really know. Because I, I, like, I went to prep school early, so I was away from home early. Um, went to college at UConn, and it's kind of like Charlotte, you know, it's slower than New York, you know. Um, so I don't think it's like a big adjustment to living on my own, you know. Um, what is the – what about the weather here, man? I know, like, being a New York guy like me, like, this time of year is kind of warm down here. What, yeah. what about the weather? What do you enjoy about most about the weather so far down here? Sure. Oh, yeah, it don't really snow. I don't like the snow. Uh, you know, New York, the rain is snowing. It's crazy, the weather. But out here, it's smooth. I, I really like it out here, for real. Um, when you see this – just this region, man, and just uh, the Hornets organization that, as a whole, what's it been like kind of just, I guess, being a part of this excitement? Because as we talked before about – it's different than it has been in the years past. Like, yeah. I'm sure you probably don't know about it. People probably tell you about it. But what do you just feel amongst the organization, the fans, the crowd, when you're just, just around here? No, the energy is there for sure. Um, just a vibe. It's just like, man, we, we rolling. We winning games. Um, we got playoff team. We're young. We're exciting. Um, and then, like you said, just like just being a, being part of it is it's really special. And, um, like, this whole organization is like – really hands-on so mm-hmm. like whenever I need to talk to someone it's not like I gotta call him call her you know it's just like I can literally just find you and we'll talk you know so that's what I like most about it just being able to just go and talk to anyone at any time how does that help you because even Kyle Jones mentioned to me back um in the preseason about the family atmosphere here yeah. and when you guys came to kind of do your pre-draft workouts how you kind of felt the family atmosphere how is that helping you out man as you trying to transition here to be an NBA player um, it helps big time because as a rookie, you got a lot of questions, and 
you know, some people scared to ask questions, you know. Uh, but here they they make sure it's known, like, any question, any, anything you need help with, you need help with moving, you need help, whatever. Just everything is hands-on here. Cause that, that's, like, one of the biggest things I love about it. Does it still um, hit you at times that, you know, you, you're playing for a team basically owned by Michael Jordan? Does, yeah. Does, does, like, I know. So <laughs> yeah, people ask about that all the time. Like, sure. what, what about that? Um, Just, like, one of the greatest shooting guards of all time. It, the greatest shooting guard of all time. And just... Shit, it's it's surreal, man. I don't even know like how to put that in words. It's just like it's crazy. Like it's something you've got to experience to know what it feel like. You know? yeah. When he shows up at practice or wherever, just the, the random times that you guys don't expect him to be, what's it like? Do the guys kind of go harder out yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he see him, you just hundred percent all the time. It's just different. Like just seeing him and knowing what he did and knowing like what type of impact he had on the game. And, you know, it's it's just like a respect thing when you see him to go hard. No. Um, what's your hobbies, man? You got anything you like to do outside of basketball court? Nah, I be kicking it. I just like watching movies and stuff. What's your favorite movie? I'm watching a show right now. I watch BMF. Really? Yeah. What, what about that excites you? Um, I like like violent shows and stuff like that. You know, and just like stuff that could be real. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that, like documentaries and all that. Like that. Tell me something about you that people don't know, man. Um. Something about me people don't know. Or something you want people to know about you that they, they don't know about you already? Oh, no. You have to get back with me. <laughs> I caught you on that one? Yeah, you have to get back to me this one. <laughs> All right, just two more. Just uh, We talk about your rookie year here, man, um, and we're halfway through it. Like, uh, as we kind of get back to the basketball part of things and you staying ready, how do you make sure, I guess, when you go down to the G League – that happens again you're playing for Greensboro that, that experience also kind of helps benefit you as you try to prepare for the next the next time you're ready um uh, with going down there just making sure that like I'm taking it serious and not just going down there taking advantage of it, you know uh, going down there and actually working on my game and trying to get better so I can get on the court and then I know we talked before about Terry and, and how it's kind of helped you in going at it with him a little bit in practice um how's it been with him Brotherhood trying to just, you know, I guess pick his brain, just try to figure out how he became the player he is, and maybe get to his level at some point one day. Uh, for uh, over the last couple of weeks, we like grown even more close than we did like during preseason. Uh, just like getting more comfortable around me, mm-hmm. me getting more comfortable with him, and just like being able to talk to him about anything. You know, if I got questions, if I need help with something, and then even if it's non-basketball related, just having a brother, someone I could relate to. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone that grew up in the same similar situation as me, um, just being a role model for me, you know. Right. Cool, man. Uh, well, I appreciate the time, man. No as, as usual, you know. Once my again, you come through. Appreciate you, man. Always. Thanks, my guy, James Book Knight. Many, many thanks to James Book Knight for joining me here on the QC Hornets Nest. As you can tell, James. It's a kind of a charismatic guy in his own little way. That New York in him is uh, its hard to get. He's a dog, man, and I really appreciate him taking the time to join us at the practice. Very nice of him. Thanks again, James. So now it's time for a look ahead. And if you know the schedule of January for the Hornets, you know that they have nine of 15 games 
at home. And that includes this next stretch where three or four games are going to be at home. The tough part is two or three games are against the Milwaukee Bucks, the defending champions. The other game that's not at home is against Philadelphia, the team that essentially has your number and has the longest winning streak against any opponent currently going in the NBA in terms of their dominance over the Hornets. So these next three games aren't going to be easy at all. But perhaps maybe one thing going to Hornets' favor is Mike Budenholzer, the Bucks coach, was placed in protocols on Tuesday, excuse me, on Wednesday, so he could potentially miss both of these games. And he's really good at adjustments and making sure that the Bucks are in position to make the plays they do almost and seemingly every game against the Hornets when they find a way to pull out late. Remember in Milwaukee just last month, the Hornets lost on a buzzer beater to the Bucks because Giannis did what he does and it was hard to stop. So the Hornets next few games here are going to be really tough and it's going to be on them to figure a way so again, at least tread water because, you know, they're getting close to the midway point here of the season. And you want to at least be right around 500 at the midway point and then hope that at some point you kick it into gear going the second half of the season, especially if you can make a move or two to maybe help your team. So it's going to be a tough little week here for the Hornets, and we'll see exactly how you can get past it because it's going to be imperative that they win at least one of these next three games, and really two of the next four because the other home game they have in this stretch after the Bucks' two games is against Orlando on Friday night, January 14th. Now that we looked ahead, let's look back real quick to what happened on Wednesday against the Pistons. Kelly Oubre was unconscious. And I want to go with some of these numbers that he produced for this week's random fact that I'd like to give you guys. Now, I'm sure you're probably aware that Kelly scored 24 points. Not in the game. He had 32 in the game overall. He had 24 in the fourth quarter against the Pistons. And that tied Kemba Walker's 24-point effort against Washington in 2018 for the most points in the quarter in franchise history. And I remember that game that Kemba dropped 24 in D.C. I was there for that one, I'm pretty sure. So with that, Kelly became the fifth player in NBA history with eight or more three-pointers made in a quarter. But it's not just that, that kind of, puts him into a different stratosphere. He was the only person other than Michael Red to make eight three-pointers in the fourth quarter. Let's repeat that one more time. Kelly Oubre, along with Michael Red, 
the left-handed assassin, both left-handed assassins, mind you, was they are the only two players in NBA history, Kelly Oubre and Michael Red, to hit eight three-pointers in the fourth quarter. Not even the great Clay Thompson or Steph Curry can say such a thing. Thompson does hold the NBA record for most threes ever in the quarter with nine. And that shows you just how close Kelly Oubre was to making some serious history on Wednesday night. But man, to see it unfold in person was incredible. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the QC Hornets Nest. I'm Rod Boone. For more Hornets content, check out charlotteobserver.com and for a special subscription offer, click the link in my stories where it says support my work with a digital subscription. All right, until next time, we out.